This is Donald. Hey, Donald. Uh, this is John Pittman at All Classical Portland. How are you? Donald Nally, welcome to All Classical Portland to talk about your new recording with the choir, The Crossing. Thank you. It's great to be here. I've interviewed you before about um, one of your uh, previous releases of uh, a couple years ago, so it's great to have you back on. And I know that you have two recordings that came out about the same time, um, but I want to focus on one of them, Michael Gordon's Anonymous Man. And that's partly just because the story behind it is so intriguing and such a part of a piece of American 20th century history, a living living in a particular part of New York City in the 1980s. Yeah, well, he, you know, Michael moved into this derelict loft uh, in the late 70s, and when really, you know, everything down there was empty warehouses in lower Manhattan, and, you know, here we are <laughs> um, in a very, very different time, and there's a Starbucks on every corner, um, and, um he, we decided to make a full concert like piece together and he wanted to do something autobiographical and we were interested in something that would fit into our season theme which was diaspora and sort of refugee homelessness whether that be of the mind or displaced populations or whatever and he came up with this idea of writing a piece about um, his street, the Spurs' street in Lower Manhattan and people like him who live in houses on the street and people like two of the men who are mentioned in the piece who live on the street and are And even though he's talking about his experiences in a particular time in a particular place, these are still themes and issues that all of us who are living in any kind of society, city or rural, are, are dealing with. And one of them is that we have people who who are houseless, are homeless. Yeah, I mean, it really it's, it, it really turned out to be a home run in terms of allowing us to uh, expand that discussion, which this came at the very end of our season. And so when it was originally premiered in 2018, it came at the very end of our season and, and was kind of the culmination of the discussion of that topic all year. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, though, because what magnifies those movements, the two movements that refer to these two gentlemen, is the fact that many of the other movements talk about life the way a lot of us know it. Um, there's a movement about meeting his future wife. There's a movement about moving into the new apartment. Um, there's a movement about um, 9-11. And what that does is it really kind of makes your uh, attention razor sharp when he's talking about Larry and Robinson, these two guys who live very different lives. Yeah. Now, when you mentioned autobiographical earlier, that's pretty literal, isn't it? Because it looks like the words that I'm reading in the liner notes, where it starts with a tale, this is a tale of two, one lives inside, the other one outside. It sounds like the libretto pretty much is direct from his 
his recollections, I mean, just sung as as written. Is that right? I mean, it's well, not... He, he just jotted down his... It's like scenes from a life, you know? I mean, it, that's really... That could be the, the subtitle to the piece. It's kind of fragments of the last 30 years, 40, nearly 40, I guess, years in his life, which, which is, you know, kind of what... <laughs> It is what it makes it really poignant because you recognize in the last movement is just these tiny little phrases about things that we all take for granted. I sleep at home, I have a bed, I put my head on a pillow, I have a door, close it, clean and fold it. You know, a lot of us take these things for granted. We don't we don't actually think about the fact that I have a chair and I can sit down, you know. And so it makes it really like you really start to listen. <laughs> yeah. Now, how was that for the choir to perform? I'm, I'm looking at a couple of the different uh, parts of the piece, and, I mean, number five, I first noticed Robinson. That's a pretty through-composed piece of prose there. Um, what, do, what does the choir do with, a, with that movement? Well, so in that particular movement, that, that movement's um, really fun because it has a beat behind it. Um, we worked for a while to figure out what exactly that beat, what was the right body instrument for that beat. And we came up to the fact that like a couple of people pat their leg and another one snaps quietly. And that just sets up this um, beat that stays through the whole thing. And then around that are, are these little lines that um, are almost like, we even talked about this with Michael and I about the fact that, it, you know, I first noticed Rob, he wasn't possible to ignore. It's really supposed to sound almost like you're speaking. Um, and then when you bring in another voice, or when he brings in another voice, that kind of expands it because the different range or the counterpoint or whatever um, draws your attention to a different aspect of the words. But it's essentially... Um, a repetition of, of certain lines and then go, basically going on and telling this rather funny story actually about how um, Robinson asked him a question he didn't know the answer and Robinson looks at it and says I thought you were a student <laughs> as, if, as if being a student meant that you knew everything so uh, mm -hmm. it turns out that Robinson was very very well read um, and um, so yeah so you know it, it, it is interesting because there's, there's there is humor in the piece and you get to that moment, it's funny to hear the audience kind of chuckling um, when, because, because, because Michael writes that um, he ordered the volume from Amazon, you know, and the line just goes, I ordered the volume from Amazon. <laughs> it's just, this, just the way you'd say, I ordered the volume from Amazon, right? So it's like just kind of just written out a little bit. It's, it's very creative and kind of ingenious because you follow the story so easily, you know.
Um, I had to look up, because um, I'm a Portland native, so, you know, I, I know a, f- a few things about New York in the 80s, but I would have to say that mostly comes from movies and television. And um, so looking up, first of all, De- Desbrosses Street, I learned that it's it's kind of near the Holland Tunnel, and that was one of those areas, like you say, it was it was lofts. This is the story that so many of us hear about now. And even in here in Portland, we had our own version of it with a place over on the on the west side of the Willamette River called the Pearl. And it used to be like Desbrosses Street. It was very rough and and it was the lofts, you know, of Portland, just as as uh, New York had it. Um, but this this area, I would imagine, conjures up some pretty vivid memories for longtime New Yorkers who knew how it was then and how it was now. Have you encountered or spoken to anybody who has that kind of history with, with New York in the area? Well, I am definitely not a New Yorker. <laughs> uh, I was brought up in the country. And, and um, so, you know, it's, it's always interesting for me because I interact with lots and lots of New Yorkers and, and people who just, you know, love New York. In fact, in fact, Michael wasn't brought up in New York by any means. He, he just finished a piece that um, – the premiere was supposed to be at the end of March at Carnegie Hall. It was canceled, of course, um, but it's called Travel Guide to Nicaragua because he spent a considerable amount of his childhood in Nicaragua, which is another whole story um, somewhat told in this new autobiographical full concert length piece. Um, but um, I don't know people, but I do know the impact, you know, and there's a great controversy about it, too. You know, we did um, we did David Lyons' piece called the mile long opera. I was music director for that, um, about a year and a half ago. And, uh, and it was stressed all the way across the mile and a quarter of the high line in Manhattan. Well, the high line in Manhattan was like repurposed and, um, you know, derelict train tracks, um, elevated train tracks in made into a, a public park and the repurposing of it caused the entire neighborhood to transform into these, you know, the, crazy wealthy um, apartment buildings and new builds and et cetera, you know? And, and so this historic transition that happens in neighborhoods, you know, as time marches on can be both good and bad. It depends on who's observing it, you know? And Michael, you know, what's funny about it is that Michael has kind of just been steadfast, (laughs) quietly uh, humble in his, in his loft down there as, as the neighborhood is completely transformed. But it's also interesting because you mentioned, you know, you mentioned the street looking up the street. So that street's been there a long time and it's, it's all the way down in the South part of the Island. And it was the street of one of the major docks that, that was used to, to um, access lower Manhattan from across the river. And that is the dock where um, the, Lincoln funeral cortege was brought on to Manhattan. So that shows up in this piece, even though that is not obviously an autobiographical moment in Michael's life. It's a, it is a part of the life of the street. Um, and it really is, it really brings a very interesting perspective to it because you begin to think as you're listening to the piece about like, wow, I don't actually think that much about the history of who lives on and who lives off which is to say, you know, who, who lives inside a house and who doesn't uh, on a street with a long, long histories.
this certainly is an area that has has a long and, and deep history and, and a complicated one too. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, very complicated. Which is you know, which is probably there's no movement that captures that more than the September eleventh movement called uh, on this terrible beautiful morning and that that movement is constructed very simply of a little melody kind of arpeggiated melody but the entire thing is glissando so all the pitches are slid from and to and then a second voice comes in after a full verse and then another voice comes in and, the, and, and they're all in canon the canon keep, gets closer so that not only is this kind of really beautiful simple tune transformed a bit you know made a bit odd by these glissandos then the canon starts to blur the clarity of it and this terrible beautiful morning begins to you know there's this feeling that something is wrong it's really really effective and audiences always talk about it after we sing this piece it's like some one of the first things they mention is the clarity of capturing the feeling of that morning because i lived in philadelphia at the time and i very specifically remember the absolute beautiful weather the sun, the, like perfect temperature, and just thinking, ah, oh, it's good to be alive, and then, and then that happened. Right, right. juxtaposing between the 9-11 movement on that terrible, beautiful morning, and then it goes to one day I saw, and that just kind of telescopes all the way down from this gigantic, horrible event down to a very, very singular moment, which was finding out that one of the homeless men had passed away. Yeah, so Larry Larry is mentioned um, back in Movement 3 as kind of always being there. It's a really almost like a passing mention. Um, and as you say, timeless, that movement three kind of just says, you know, ever since I lived on Desperosa Street. Then we get really specific, as you say, really personal. 
we talk about the absence of the person, you know, the absence of a person living on the street. So that, this movement, um, one day I saw, is not about Larry being there. It's about noticing that he's not there and having everybody in the neighborhood talk about their interactions with him and you know, what he used to say to the kids and who brought him coffee and that kind of stuff. It's really, you know, and the fact that there's flowers and candles that are been put there where he could be found all the time, you know. And that is also done in a series of very short phrases in canon, but it has a different effect. It, it doesn't have the effect so much of making it feel like something's wrong. It has the effect of, um, kind of like building an elegy or like the, the or like the content or maybe even the sentiment and using that word in, a, in the right way is deepening um, because of the increasing number of voices and therefore the increasing amount of harmonic variation in the movement. It's really beautiful to sing. Like it's, it's, I love conducting that movement because there's a lot going on, but it, you can feel it sinking deeper and deeper. And also it, it ends with this really stark series of one-liners, you know, a, kind and, a kindly graceful man, a comforting familiar face. And, um, and that is followed by the movements you've already mentioned, um, Abraham Lincoln's Journey and I Sleep at Home, and um, nine movements that create a flowing na- narrative thread, I would say. Um, that was my impression as I listened to the piece. Yeah, I mean, if you, like, you, you, know, you start out with, this is a tale of two, one lives inside, the other one outside. That's the whole first movement, and you get to the end, and um, you know who we're talking about because the narrator here is saying, when it is raining, I am dry. When it is thundering, I am wondering. And those are the last sentences in the piece. So, mm. you know, it's a really beautiful piece. I'm very grateful that um, Michael invested so much to write. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a 65-minute full concert length, unaccompanied work. <laughs> so... It brings us challenges, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's quite a journey for both uh, listener and performer, without a doubt. Well, Donald Nally, uh, as director of The Crossing, thank you so much for your time today to talk about Michael Gordon's new piece called Anonymous Man and featured on Cantaloupe Music. Uh, Very much looking forward to sharing this with our listeners here in Portland at All Classical Portland. Thanks, John. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. All right. Well, have a great day. And, uh, you know, as we're saying these days, stay safe.